Welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. Today, we're here with Kent Clothier. He is the CEO of Real Estate Worldwide, as well as the Boardroom Mastermind. Kent, I want to thank you so much for being here. We'd love to kick it off with a story, man. So if you could just start us off with one of your craziest real estate transactions that you've ever experienced. Craziest real estate story that I've ever had? Oh, my God. Let me think here. What is a crazy real estate story? I'll give you one. Uh, so I had a rehab down in um, Port St. Lucie, or Port St. Lucie, I should say, uh, Florida. It's when I lived down in Florida that... Uh, we started the rehab. The house was on uh, the intracoastal there. And in the midst of doing it, um, a hurricane came through and washed out the entire road and the bridge to the property. So mid rehab, uh, we had to stop this entire project. And this is pre drones or any of that kind of stuff. We literally could not get to the house to even see what had happened uh, for the better part of six months. And when we finally were able to get over to the property and check it all out, uh, we had a little bit of roof damage. We had a dock that had been completely washed away. But for the most part, the whole thing was sitting there standing. Everything was great. But it's probably the most nerve-wracking uh, three months of my entire life to have hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars tied up in a project have you know, and have no way, literally no way um, of getting over there to it. I mean, we talked about trying to get on a boat and go over and see if we could pull up to the side of the house and all this other stuff. And the reality of it is, is that there was so much damage uh, all the way around in that general area that we just couldn't even, but anybody that's gone through a really severe hurricane, the category three or four knows what I'm talking about. We couldn't get to anything. And when we finally got to this house, it was for all intents and purposes, man, it was fine. I mean, you talk about it, it was the, the worst of times and the best of times all in about a one right there when you pull up to that house what uh so that's that's insane so for six months you're living in this agony how how do you work yourself through that and what sort of games is your mind playing i mean dude it's, it's like what choice do you have i mean i know i'm insured uh and so worst case scenario we're going to start all over but um i mean when i tell you literally so this the, this particular place it would kind of sits out uh, in order to get out there to this to this particular property, there are several uh, bridges, you know, kind of like rivers you have to drive, and all those bridges have been washed out. So, and then the actual street, this particular property sat right on the intercoastal, but there was a uh, effectively a street between the house and the water. That street had been completely washed out, and so we had no way of doing anything, and all we were getting was updates from the fire department from the utility the companies and the local city in and there's i mean and i lived 45 minutes away so it was one of these where it's like man I, i'm just playing the game what's the update when are we going to get the new roads in how are they going to get and they're working as fast as they can to get you know first you've got to get utilities in then you got to come back there and figure out what what kind of uh structural damage is done to the roads and where they washed out and you know how do you get once it was all finally done, we got the green light and drove over there, and I completely expected to see a pile of sticks sitting on a slab. And it was, I mean, like I said, it was uh, the most agonizing times right up until the moment I pulled up and realized that we'd had, we lost some, considering all that damage, the reality of that house, 
actually only having a little bit of roof damage, which basically we've had a ceiling that that uh, had collapsed in one room, and then it wasn't even the entire ceiling, and there was some mold inside of the house. Uh, it could have been significantly worse. It was one of the happiest days of my life to realize that we probably had about twenty thousand dollars worth of damage instead of hundreds of thousand dollars in damage. Love it, love it, love it, love it. Cool. And so, if you wouldn't mind dialing back for us, essentially like your journey. I know you've had some amazing, amazing highs. You have an incredible business. Just studying your journey has been really, really fun. You've also had some some tough points in, in your journey. So if you wouldn't mind bringing our audience up to speed a little bit about what got you here today and some of the process along the way. Yeah, man. I mean, I look, I, I, I was raised by an entrepreneur. So I got, I got involved in business at a very young age. I started in the uh, grocery uh, industry. I was flipping truckloads of groceries uh, with my father. Uh, I started that when I was 17 years old. And effectively, what that means is that most people don't realize that of the 30, 40, 50,000 items that are in any grocery store, the manufacturers sell each one of those items uh, for wildly different prices from one market to the next. And so, you know, we would go in and buy truckloads of an item. Crisco or Cottonelle toilet tissue or Kleenex or Heinz ketchup. It didn't matter. Uh, the, the distributor or the grocery chain would sell us that entire truckload of that item uh, at you know something above what they were paying for. It. And then we would put it on a truck and go ship it to another market and go sell it to another grocery wholesaler or distributor or chain where they were paying significantly higher. And so that little business that we started when I was 17, by the time I was 23, you know, I was running a $50 million a year company. By the time I was 28, $800 million a year. Uh, by the time I was 30, you know, growing it to $1.8 billion. Um, and so my, you know, I, and my dad retired out of that thing when I was 23. So building a, a effectively a $2 billion a year company um, by the time I was 30 years old is a very different experience than probably most people in their 20s. Um, and, you know, I had all the, all the trappings. Uh, I believed all my own BS, believe I, all, all that success was because of me. Thank God social media didn't exist back then. Uh, <laughs> I would have 100% been the douchebag that we all uh, make fun of on there. Um, but I, I was just the guy that was, uh, you know, I was, I was doing extremely well, was very successful at a very young age. And, you know, as fate would have it, I uh, ended up getting into a run-in with my partners, walking out of there when I was 30 years old. Spent the next two years um, getting a, a real good dose of, of humble pie, um, which was certainly needed. Um, basically, going toe to toe with my former partners, and you know, everybody suing everybody, trying to do it all there all on my own again, trying to rebuild it. You know, uh, in spite of all them, you know, filled with all that. Uh, anger and resentment, you know, I can't believe that we, you know, all that kind of good, you know, none of that stuff that's very, very uh, helpful, but I needed to go through it and effectively lost everything. Um, you know, um, in 22 months, I went from having millions and millions of dollars in the bank uh, all the way down to where I had, you know, effectively four grand in the bank uh, by the end of, of 2002. And it was really humbling for me. Uh, I would not wish it on my worst enemy uh, to say that I was in a really dark place would be putting it mildly saying I, would, I was suicidal would be putting it more factual. Uh, it, was bad. it was rough. Uh, you know, went through 
they're doing all that, you know, got divorced, uh, you know, built, burned every relationship on the way down, but it put me in a headspace that quite frankly, I needed to get into, um, where I had to start over and I had to get, you know, reevaluate what really mattered to me, which ultimately brought me into real estate. I am 100% a product of the, uh, late night infomercials that we've all made fun of in the past. Um, and you know, go to, come on down we'll show you how to buy houses with no money, no credit, all that kind of good stuff. I did that. And, um, once I got into it and realized what was going on, I gravitated to it really quickly, started wholesaling a lot of houses very, very fast and figured out that, um, I was, I was particularly good at it because I was not approaching it the way most people approach real estate, which is it's a hustle. I was approaching it like I'm building a business and, um, you know, inside of five years, I was, uh, flipping 300 houses a year. I was running, you know, was, had built a very, very successful organization was one of the first guys that ever really was, uh, figured out how to go and use public data and to go out and create leads. We came out with the very first cash buyer database, private lender database, vacant property database, and as fate would have it, when the uh, when the market crashed in 2008, I was one of the last guys standing because I was one of the few guys that wasn't doing anything with retail buyers. I was only selling buyers. And um, so everybody wanted to figure out how I was doing what I was doing, how we were flipping so many houses a year. And that kind of brought me into the training and education space because you know suddenly I'm getting asked to speak all over the world and train people on how are you doing this in the middle of a recession. Um, you know, and you fast forward to now, now our organization, we flip about, uh, 1200 houses a year, a thousand to 1200. Um, and we, uh, wholesale another four or 500. And then we've our education side of our business, you know, we've helped to educate 50 or a little over 50,000 people in the space, getting them involved in real estate. And I spend all of my time now really focused on our mastermind for the last 10 years, which is some of the best and brightest in the industry, just, you know, continuing to push them ahead and make them industry leaders. And so that's kind of how I got here, man. Beautiful. That's a great answer. Um, I love the similarities actually in the business models. So so your first business was essentially a form of arbitrage, right? So, and then real estate wholesaling is essentially a form of arbitrage as well as fix and flip. So like, what did you carry over from the first billion dollar, multi-billion dollar business that you built when you started creating the real estate business? Um, what did I carry over? Most people, and this is still true today, right? Um, most people in this industry, in real estate, whether they are in the, an agent, a broker, or an investor, they are a hustler. Um, they are highly, highly transactional. It's going from deal to deal to deal. And, and that is just a product of the way they have been educated. Right. Um, there is a great deal of time, effort and energy uh, devoted to I would, I would argue the vast majority of the energy is dedicated to showing somebody how to go generate a lead. Right. Go so, how to generate a listing, how to go generate a buyer, how to go put a deal under contract, how to go flip a contract. I, that's where all the, that's where all the training is all about in this space. And what I've come to realize, certainly over the last, you know, three years, very specifically, is nobody talks about um, how to turn it into a business. You know, ask anybody that gets into this. They get into real estate for one reason. I want to create financial freedom. Yet 95% of them, if not more, never experience anything like that. I mean, you can even go see some of the, the 
biggest real estate agents in the world out there that are making millions and millions of dollars, they're still hustling, baby. They're still run. They're just high income earners, right? They're running from nothing happens without their, without them having to get involved. And that's not a business, right? And it's real easy to figure out if you own a business or not is leave, just leave. And if you've got more, you know, come back in 60 days. And if there's more money in your bank account than when you left, you probably have something that looks like a business. If not, your ass owns a job, period. And so what did I take over from the other business? You know, that was your question is, is I took over how to turn something into a business. Um, you know, the leverage that has to be put in place, the systems, the processes, the automation, the, the simple, you know, looking for the simplest solution to create a replicatable outcome over and over and over and over. And, um, if you, you know, you look at any great business, that's what they're trying. That's what they're trying to accomplish. How do I produce a product or service in a replicatable fashion that happens, um, whether I show up or not, right? You know, Elon Musk can go off and focus on rockets and, and the boring company and Neuralink and everything else. But regardless of what he does, there will still be thousands of Tesla cars that are produced today, right? Um, Look at any great company, McDonald's, and, you know, they, everything's the same. And so I think that when you understand what your role really is, that you have an obligation, uh, responsibility to get out of the way and turn it into a business so that you can create real freedom and own your time for your family and your community, then when you make that turn, it gets pretty exciting. But until you make that turn and somebody teaches you how to make that turn, then you'll be you be transactional for the rest of your life. Couldn't agree more. Um, we, this is the whole reason for this podcast because it's, we want to inspire people to live lives of freedom and purpose and being in the agent space for the last eight years, the number of people that are not buying their own properties is absolutely nuts. And really like with good education and you know, this one to 10 properties, if you own them either outright or just even if you do arbitrage, well, you could, you could be free forever. Like it takes, so little. I mean, obviously you've built something on a scale that is just profound, but even if just people take a little bit of action, that'll be enough. One thing I'm curious about is, so you were in the business world, then you got into real estate. It sounds like from, from hearing a TV promotion, but how did you know that was your path? I didn't. I didn't. I mean, the reality of it is, is I believe everybody you know, one of the most profound things, and I, by the way, I, I hope this happens to no one, but I can tell you something, there's, there is something elegant about when life gets really, really simple. Um, when you are reduced down to, you have nowhere to go, you have no option but to start putting one foot in front of the other and just keep moving and figure out a way out of the hole you're in. Um, you know, when you're when you're in that situation, um, you'll gravitate to any and all opportunities that kind of you know make sense. I just happen to be fortunate enough. You know, if somebody had come to me with some amazing MLM opportunity that I thought I could do well, I might be talking to you about MLM, right? The reality of it is, is that when I I didn't know anything about wholesaling. Um, I didn't know one thing about it. I didn't even know it existed. But when I got in there and started connecting dots pretty quickly, uh, I realized that there was some synergies, you know, kind of like what Tim was just saying. There, there's, so, there's a lot of similarities here that, that 
I think I can actually do this. And I was just desperate enough, which I think is really important, that um, I didn't have any other options, right? The, the reality of it is, is that when people get into real estate, real estate investing in particular, is um, they have too many other options, right? They're not, they're not passionate about it. They're not, they're not dedicated to creating freedom. Uh, and so whether it's real estate or whatever the hell it is, if they want to go into e-com or they want to go, you know, whatever it, it, I've seen it time and time again, unless you have a strong passion for freedom and you are just so you want it as much as you want to breathe, like you, you are so desperate to get it that you'll do whatever it takes. You'll pay the price until you get into that headspace. Um, it's really, really challenging not to stay dedicated to the process, right? As long as, you know, you know, I've seen it so many times where, well, I've got my nine to five and I'm trying to get this thing off the ground. Well, naturally, if I'm working all day and then I've got, I need to take care of, you know, I got to work out and then I got to, I want to take care of my kids and I want to take care of my family. And I want to, what do you think is going to get pushed around? Of course, this little side hustle hobby thing is going to get pushed around. And then you look up in a year or two and wonder why it never panned out. It's because, you weren't in a headspace where it mattered enough for it to pan out. And I think that when you get in a really desperate situation and it has to pan out, there's a, there's a, lot, of, uh, there's a lot of elegance in that, right? And, and it, it gets stuff real simple, real quick. If I could dive into that a little bit deeper, and if I can kind of take you back to some of those difficult moments, you're at the place, you're contemplating suicide, the world is completely upside down. You come out of that with, I have to succeed. Do you know why that was, was that just an always an innate response within you or did you have to battle battle. to switch it? I battled every day, battled every day. I mean, um, you don't get to a really dark place actually even contemplating on any kind of serious level that, man, it might just be easier to end this. You don't get into that headspace and just turn it off. Right. I mean, the, where I was, was, uh, I, did not like being a victim. If I had to really boil it down, that's really what settled, what was very unsettling for me. I was not accustomed to it. It was uncomfortable for me. I did not feel like I would, I don't not like the feeling of, of being a victim of, of some, some way, somehow uh, somebody else or anybody else was to blame for what was going on in my life. I did not like that. And the only way I could get out of that was control the actions I took one day at a time. And I just simply tried to do something positive towards not being broke and not being broken every day and go down to a seminar. When you get in that seminar, I mean, there's millions of people that will go down to a seminar or attend a webinar or listen to a podcast and will take no action. And so, you know, going to the event was not the action. It was going to the event and then it's one more action. Now I actually have to make an investment. Now, when you make the investment, there's millions of people that make an investment into a course or whatever and do nothing. And it was like, all right, well, so now what's the next action? I actually have to go do something. Oh, shit. I got to go talk to a seller. I got to go talk to a buyer. I actually have to go write a contract. I have to hire a mentor. I mean, it's just a series of decisions that I'm not, I didn't come this far to come this far. I'm just going to keep going and keep going and keep going. And when when you do that and can constantly make yourself uncomfortable, realize that you're just, that's another decision. It's another decision. Um, in my experience, more times than not, you will build 
the momentum that is necessary and the belief system that is necessary will start getting reinforced. Um, that allows you to kind of get out of some, you know, deep, deep holes, dark places, you know, unfortunate situations, bad financial decisions, whatever the case may be. It's just one day. I just got to do one more decision today. Keep moving. There's nothing easy about going off and, you know, reading it, watching a video online or listening to a course or listening to an audio or reading a course and deciding today I'm going to pick up the phone and go cold call sellers. Right. That's terrifying. Uh, oh, my God. You know, what, have, what, what if they know more than I know? Do I know enough to make this phone call? Or all? I mean, everybody has gone through that. Right. When you realize everybody had a first day, I just got to do it. Then you kind of realize it's not going to kill you and you just got to do it. And then the more that muscle gets exercised, um, it is a really, really good muscle for, for business and in life in general. Like I'm just trained myself now, you know, fast forward 20 years later, I'm just really comfortable making myself uncomfortable. Right. And all of that is a product of going through the process we're talking about right now. Like I just, if it's uncomfortable, I probably need to go do it. And because I'm going to come out better on the other side of it, either I'm going to learn from it or I'm going to earn from it. One or the other. Totally. I'm resonating so much with what you're saying right now, just because I was a youth pastor for eight and a half years. And as a youth pastor, constantly counseling with kids that are suicidal because of one reason or another. And so it was always super fascinating to me to see which ones took action, which ones overcame that and which ones didn't. So I appreciate you diving into that. I think that it's extremely overwhelming or feels, let me just say it this way, right? When you're, when you're in really challenging times, the enormity and the gravity of it is, is very, very challenging. Uh, it feels the weight of that is profound. Um, and so when you have the ability to just kind of disconnect from that weight and say, it's one day, it's one more action, it's one more phone call, it's one more, like, that is the way you actually break all that kind of stuff down. Because if you, if you focus on all of it, there's that, it's that kind of what gets you into that headspace, quite frankly, that's what puts you there. Totally. Absolutely. So, I mean, I love that we're talking about this rock bottom moment here because the beauty of rock bottom, right, is there's nowhere to go but up. Um, you've obviously defined through that relation or through that experience, rather, um, you've refined your mindset in a way that makes you extremely successful. Now you're teaching other people how to do the same thing. So when you're teaching other people, are you seeing that they often go through the same challenges or, or what does that look like? I think that, um, look, we all have our own uh, path, right? We all have our own experience and there's no way that I could even um, pretend as much as I would love to take every life lesson that I've learned and the wisdom that I've gained through all of my challenges, et cetera, and plug that into people and say, Hey, just, you know, like you're plugging into a computer. Let me just download this to you. So you don't have to go through all this that you can understand. The reality of it is, is, you know, you can do that as much as humanly possible, but everybody else is bringing their own childhood, their own relationship with money, their own relationship with their parents, their own relationship with, uh, with God, right? They're, they're, they're all bringing a different, they're coming at it from a different angle, right? And I think that changes people's ability to, um, to take the message and actually run with it. In fact, I know it does. Um, if, if, I think that if, Everybody knew what I know to be true. 
then everybody would be wildly successful, right? That all of, those, all of the challenges are the good stuff, right? All of the getting knocked down and getting knocked out and getting back up and getting, you know, suddenly believing in yourself and watching yourself, that rising Phoenix moment, watching yourself coming all back, having that perspective, being able to look back on that in five years and 10 years and say, man, I did it. And I know how to get through those stuff. If, you know, if everybody had that wisdom, then everybody would constantly just play full out because you know, it's not going to kill you. Um, the reality of it is, is that's just not the world we live in. Right. And people have outside influences, whether that is the naysayers in their life or they're, you know, plugged into the media, their headlines, or again, church or whatever, you know, there's all this other stuff that comes at them and it changes people's um, belief in what they believe is possible. What I do know to be true is there's nothing special about me. Uh, I do know that, you know, I'm just a, a redneck from Dallas, Texas that uh, barely graduated from high school. I was extremely fortunate in the, that I was raised by, by an entrepreneur uh, who was, by the way, you know, being raised, he was brutal on me and my brother. It was not a pleasant experience. Um, but I look back on it very fondly now uh, because it, it, it armed me with a lot of the things that as an adult, uh, I believe are very extremely you know, beneficial. But as a, as a child, as a teenager, I hated every moment of it, right? I mean, it was, it was brutal. But I think that everybody's experience and how they come about how they get there is unique and different to them but the message is still the same you are capable of doing it uh it is about action it is about imperfect action it is about messy action and it is not about you you know getting just enough education to go off and do anything you know i mean i would you know i say this all the time give me ignorance on fire versus knowledge on ice i'll get many many well over-educated people out there that take no action. I don't want I want the person that, you know what, I'll figure it out as I go. I just got to go. And let me, let me teach them along the way because if I teach them along the way, they're going to get there. Everyone who listens to our show knows Tim and I are passionate about obtaining financial freedom through real estate investing. We also know that everyone's situations and goals are different. And while there are programs out there that show you a path to financial freedom, Many of these programs are just too cookie cutter and don't take your personality, situation, and desired outcome into account. Think about the number of times that you've watched a guru online and tried to do the exact same thing as they did but had nowhere near the same results. You are not alone. When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. The results prove this out. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secrets that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is not something that we're okay with. The benefit of working with Tim and I is that we are interviewing between five and 20 people every single week. We have accumulated hundreds of seven-figure strategies and gotten inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. We're able to work with you to pick the strategy that will best fit and then help you create the custom plan to take you quickly into financial freedom. As a former math teacher, I always taught my students that the fastest way between two points is a straight line. If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us and let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. Totally. Well, it kind of goes back to like that saying, right? A students work for B students and C, D, and F students own the buildings. And, you know, because CDNF students never figured out how to do it the right way. They just figured out, you know, a complete, their own methodology, so to speak. Yeah, it's, 
got it. Look, you, um, I, I could sit here and tell you, you know, if, if the three of us were just sitting around and I, I picked up the phone and I said, hey, you know, Matt, Tim, I have studied. I've listened to every podcast. I've watched every YouTube video. I've read every book. I've watched, you know, everything. I've consumed every bit of information about how to become an amazing MMA fighter. I now think I'm ready to go fight for the championship. Let's get Dana White on the phone. You'd be like, dude, have you ever even gotten in the ring? Like, oh, no, no, no. I don't need to get in the ring. I've, I've, I've learned everything. I think I'm ready for the championship. I finally felt like I've educated myself to where I'm at. You guys would be like, dude, you've lost your damn mind. You're crazy. At some point, you actually have to get in the ring. And if you want to become a great MMA fighter, for sure, an expectation there is I'm going to get hit. I'm going to get hit. I'm going to get choked out. I'm going to break some bones. I'm going to get bruised. I'm going to be sore. I'm going to be achy. I'm going to, you know, there's going to be a lot of moments where I'm like, what in the heck am I doing? And after, you know, I've gone off there and I've sparred, I I expect to go to the corner and have my coach, you know, prop me up and tell me how I can do better and watch some tape and get me back in the ring. But I absolutely expect to get in the ring and to get hit, period. That is how I would become a great MMA fighter. Business is exactly the same way. You cannot sit here and educate yourself to a place to where you will magically have a business without getting in the ring and getting hit and having somebody look over your shoulder and say, as a mentor, as a coach, as a, you know, in the matter, like, this is what you need to improve upon. Now let's get back in there and do it again. Those are just the expectations. And I think what people inevitably, when they come into real estate, especially, is like, I think I'm just going to go and, you know, go watch a YouTube video and suddenly I'm going to be the greatest real estate investor coming. And I don't understand what's going to happen. Well, I mean, that's just, that's just unrealistic. Totally. So you had mentioned earlier that your transition into real estate, particularly investing, set you up insanely well for the 2008 scenario. And given that the media is going bonkers with the crash, recession, the worst thing that's ever going to happen, the world's falling apart, everybody's dying, maybe even feeds into the likelihood of some of the stuff happening. Can you be like, can you go really deep on why is investing and in, in the type of investing that you're doing so good for markets that are crashing or recessing? And how can people be set up to succeed in what might be coming in the next sure, couple so, of years? So the reason why I was so successful um, in back in the, the the recession, the great recession, is because I was focused on one thing. This was before this was sexy and anybody had any idea to do it, but I had figured out a way to go and systematically uh, find all of the cash buyers in my market, right? Um, and then ultimately developed a piece of software that did that. And again, that's ultimately how I got into the education space. Um, but I was just playing a completely different game. Right? I was wholesaling houses, and I was wholesaling houses to people that only paid cash. Um, most of my competitors were talking to, you know, fix and flip buyers that were doing hard money loans, or they were, or they were talking to even retail buyers. Right? This, this was South Florida back again when you could just get a loan on anything. Um, and so, if you're only dealing with people who have cash and can close quickly and all your entire business is focused on i want to understand exactly who they are what they and by the way this is exactly how i built the grocery business you know it's called reverse wholesaling it's something that we developed where it is a very simple process you know if you ask any 
uh, business leader, they will tell you, you know, how do you go off and start a really successful business? Well, you go f- talk to the, the market and find out what they want and deliver it to them. Well, this is the same thing. I'm going to, all we were doing in the grocery industry, we would go out and talk to the way we would took out all of our competition, uh, was that some 26 year old kid came in and said, Hey, why don't we go talk to everybody that's buying from us right now? And instead of us always fighting, like we always get this, we get this truckload of pampers, but they didn't just call me. They called my other four competitors. And now we're all not only trying to buy it from the same guy, the same truck, we are literally now trying to go sell it to the same people. So now it's who can pay the most and who will take the least, right? It's this compression. And so it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that that is a race to zero. Um, and well, what about if we go out and ask every single customer out there in the market, if I could sell you anything at any price and deliver it on any day? What do you want to buy from me? Right? What do you what do you what orders do you need filled right now? And through that, what happens is we were building effectively a you know a shopping list that if we could sit there and go and get these items, we knew exactly what our customers were willing to pay for it, where to deliver it, when they wanted it, and now all of a sudden we had to do is just go backwards, reverse, and go create those opportunities that we could back into how much money we wanted to make, how much the freight was going to be to get there. And we had, we had all the information to be successful, right? And so it turned into hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars every year in sales by doing it that way. And our competition couldn't figure out. So when I got into real estate, I basically started doing the same thing. Like I know that 30% of the market is controlled by cash buyers. Now I know that now, but I didn't know that back then. All I was looking for was for the most elegant, simple way to sell the same product over and over and over and over. Who's buying it? All right, well, let me go down and find out every transaction that happened last week in Broward County, Florida. Let me go find every transaction that happened. We would go down and look through the ledgers and get this data. Show me every deed of transfer, and let me show me every one where a mortgage was recorded against it. Now, through process of elimination, if a mortgage wasn't recorded, but a deed of transfer happened, cash. Suddenly I was building a database of all the people that were paying cash for houses in South Florida. Start sending marketing to them. Hey, I'm really good at what I do. I found you. I know you're paying cash for houses. Tell me exactly what you're looking for. How many of them you want to buy? What neighborhoods? Let me just start. And they give me all the data. And then suddenly now everything I'm doing from a marketing standpoint is just generating, creating those deals, right? Over and over and over. And I'm in complete control. I have no competition. Nobody knows what the hell is going on. And so when the recession came, I look like a hero, right? And I would tell you that in these, in these types of times, the, the same is still true. In fact, it's probably better than it's ever been, right? Because now, well, the, well, the technology, I mean, we helped create all that technology. And now there's people have done have taken RQ and done much better even than we've ever even done with it. But you have access to all of that information. But equally, what's changed in the last 10 years is you now have institutional buyers that are in the market. These guys were not around 10 years ago. There's companies that are buying tens of thousands of houses every year, and they're paying all cash, and they are largely ignored, right? Everybody thinks, well, you know, don't talk to the iBuyers. Don't talk to the institutional buyers. I mean, if your business was simply doing nothing but in your market but was 
find out exactly what the institutionals want, institutional buyers want to buy and turn it around and going and creating the marketing to generate deals that you knew you could flip to them and you were in control of the profit you could make, you have a business, right? Over and over and over. And not only do you have a business, but you have a business that is highly recession resilient because your exposure is almost zero. I'm not, if you're wholesaling, I don't actually have to buy the deal. All I'm doing is assigning my contract. I'm putting something under contract. I know my buyer wants it. I'm going to corner a market up 25 grand. I'm going to assign my contract to it. My exposure and risk there is whatever it costs me to generate the deal. Almost nothing. Now, on the other hand, if I go off and buy an actual asset, arrange hard money or private money, I've got a six to nine month timeline on doing a flip or whatever. My exposure under these types of this climate might still be low, but it's there. Uh, for sure, get caught. Uh, if I go and do a burr strategy, you know, I'm still rehabbing the property. I'm still renting the property. And now my debt element of when I'm going to refinance just changed very dramatically in the last six months. I thought I was going to be able to re- refinance at three. Now I've got to refinance at six or seven. If you don't think that changes that strategy dramatically, it 100% does. It's gone, right? Uh, so I think that what people should be doing is really focusing on, you know, really understand wholesaling and how to how to limit exposure and create real good cash flow. Definitely make sure that you are being much more conservative on any fix and flips you're doing. You know, what happens if you, you know, you got a flip that you were projecting you were going to sell for 800 grand. What happens if you have to sell it for six? Because if you're not thinking like that, then you have no business doing a fix and flip, period, because it could happen. You know, a 20% haircut on the pricing correction could happen. And if it does, if you're screwed, then don't put yourself in that situation. Same thing on the, on the burst strategy. If you're focused on wholesaling and you're focused on creative deal structure, acquiring properties with, you know, uh, subject tos, creative type deals, or even selling deals with seller financing, you're going to be just fine. If you're not focused on those areas, then you need to get focused. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. We love, love creative financing, particularly in these types of markets. It's such an amazing strategy. Yeah. So you, you've transitioned a lot into the education space. If you could talk more about what you're doing there, I know you've got the boardroom and, and some of these really, really amazing things. And talk about like what inspires you and what, what is your mission? So, you know, I'm glad you asked that. Uh, I got, like I said, I got into the education space kind of uh, begrudgingly. I, I never wanted to be in that space whatsoever. I developed tools internally uh, from a data perspective that nobody had ever seen before. And I felt kind of an obligation back in 2008, 2009, when everybody was running for the hills that if I could show them how to connect with cash buyers uh, using a piece of software that we had developed, that would help them. And I was right, right? Tens of thousands of people bought that software and it changed a lot of people's lives for the good. Um, did the same thing, you know, kind of quickly started figuring out we need, kind of needed to develop the holy trinity. We need to be able to show them how to connect with money using data. So who are the biggest private lenders in your market that we can see in public data or loaning? And then ultimately, who are the, you know, the, the most motivated of sellers that are on vacant properties and, you know, kind of develop all that stuff. And the process of putting that kind of stuff out there, I was asked more than more than a few times, would I just show people how to do this? Right. And so um, we got pretty serious about it. Uh, what is it? I guess probably 15 years ago and have 
you know, put tens of thousands of people through our training and coaching, et cetera, over the years. And if, you know, a lot of the big names that you see out there in the space today all came through our, all came through our education at some level. Um, but, you know, over the last few years, what I've become extremely passionate about uh, is I, I want to spend all of our time focusing on the people that I, I don't fundamentally have to show you how to do a real estate transaction. I don't need to get you over that fear of disbelief. I don't want to, I don't need, I want to talk to you. You're doing business right now. You understand what you're, but you, you understand that there's levels to this and you want to get to the, to a higher level. You want to keep moving up the ladder. And I've found that, that where I am able to kind of create that fulfillment for me is when I work privately with uh, CEOs uh, whether that's in real estate or not. So privately, you know, me and my executive team uh, coach some a, a lot of very successful CEOs out there. We invest in their businesses and help them move their businesses along. Equally, we do the same thing with our boardroom mastermind, right? We uh, has been around since 2012. It's 180 of some of the best real estate professionals in the industry today. The conversations are elevated. They are significantly different. This is a carefully curated group. Um, I just don't have any desire or time for small conversations anymore, right? Um, I I value my time greatly, and I want to be in rooms with people that matter and want to do amazing things, and I want to help them to achieve that. And so the boardroom is not a coaching program. It's it's, it's where really, really high-level people get into a room and break down, hey, this is what's going on in my business. This is what I'm trying to accomplish. This is where where, what I'm struggling with right now, and then ultimately – uh, this is what I want to share with that group. And when you do that with hundreds of people several times a year, it's amazing how fast you can compress somebody's timeline on achieving amazing results. And that is, we've seen it time and time again. And, and it gives me a great deal of uh, fulfillment at this point in my life to know that, that that kind of impact is being created, you know, through those people. Love it. Absolutely tremendous answer. I love what you guys are doing. Um, let's talk about the mindset shift from, being a doer to a teacher, right? So, I mean, your first two businesses, you you built them up and then you transitioned into basically a mentorship role. So, like, what was the differences there? Well, I think it's the privilege that you get um, when you achieve a level of success where it's, you actually run businesses. You, you get to a place where you have achieved at some level the opportunity to control and own your own time. Uh, and that's where I'm at now. And so I get to choose what every one of my days looks like, period. Um, and I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm unapologetic about that. Right? I tell <laughs> off to get into that place. I'm going to make the most of it. So with that, um, totally. you know, then there, then, you know, you feel, at least I personally have felt uh, a large, and, you know, and the same is true with the, all the guys that I, you know, I'm very, very close to and run with guys like Ed Milet and Jesse Hitzler and, and Vedros Koulian and Dan Fleischman. I mean, these are all some of my closest friends, right? Sean Whalen, Aaron Wagner. Um, you get to a place where you where you feel compelled to try to help other people to understand that um, this is not as as difficult as you might believe it is. It is a very there's a lot of elegance and simplicity. It is not easy, uh, but it is also not complicated. And there is a difference, right? It is simple. It is about very, very decisive, precise steps 
and actions and keeping your head in the game and having the mental fortitude and understanding what the big vision is for the for the the business and then what are the processes that you've got to go to achieve the predictable outcome and what are all the different profit opportunities and how are you you know measuring the business and looking at the businesses when you realize that you can break it down into you know small chunks and really help people make a make a uh, a shift inside of their their hustle and turning into something you know for me personally i just felt really compelled to try to share that with them and and uh, it's important for me that my young daughters see me not sitting on the sidelines, right? I want them to see me in the game. I want them to see me creating impact. I want them to understand that dad's trying to make a difference in people's lives. That's important to me. It's part of my why. It's part of my purpose. I know that I understand and appreciate there's a lot of people out there that has nothing to do with what they want. But for me personally, that's just, you know, what I what I have grown to become very, very passionate about. Um, you know, I would probably, I would probably say that, that, I, well, I shouldn't have probably say I know for a fact I am not a good fit for a lot of people. I'm extremely authentic, raw, uncut, and un- unapologetic. I do not hold – I don't pull any punches. I simply don't give a shit. I will tell somebody exactly what it looks like. And if somebody's in that kind of headspace and they're ready for that kind of messaging and they want to they want to, you know, get pushed further than they've ever get, gotten pushed, then, you know, th- then we have a lot to offer. Uh, if not, that's fine too, right? I'm not in it to try to please everybody. I'm in it to just try to – Wake somebody up who's probably asleep at the wheel. And, you know, to your question, Tim, you know, what is the shifts? For me personally, it hasn't been a big shift. Um, inside of all my businesses, I've always been the coach. Um, you know, that's your role. I've had to coach people up to become – to uh, all I'm doing it now is just doing it for people on the outside. Does that make sense? Oh, totally. Totally. 100%. So, like, you're, you're coaching high-level people. And so what is it typically like the threshold of a person – that kind of is able to get in your orbit from a coaching perspective. Well, they have to have, you know, the makings of a real business, right? They've got to be, they got to be doing, um, you know, they have to have real revenue. They got to be investing money in real marketing. They have to be, you know, most of the people that come to, to me in particular are people that are they're running real businesses. They have not figured out how to, um, escape the grind in any way, right? They're still really got their hands in a lot of stuff, they're certainly not, they're coming to me for a different perspective. They were trying to understand different facets, um, bolt-ons, plug-ins, things that they could be doing on that would create more profit opportunity, more revenue opportunity, maybe even create an exit for them um, that they're just too close to it to even see, quite frankly. They can't get out of their own way. And they're smart enough to realize that um, even at their level, they are, they are high income earners, right? Um, that their efforts directly impact the PL. And, you know, if they, if they press harder, they push down, if they get on the phone, then the business does great. If they don't do those things, then the business suffers and they don't want the business to be structured that way anymore. They want to, they want to start figuring out a way to get the hell out of the way. Uh, and, Putting good people in place, hiring up, not hiring down, putting C-level you know, officers inside of the company that really understand how to help and grow and scale companies versus it always having to be that you know, founder. Um, and so those are the types of people that typically gravitate towards me. They understand that um, more is out there for them and they need they need somebody that's just going to shoot them straight and rip through a PL and rip through the reporting and call them on their nonsense and, and not hold anything back and get on a phone with them, you know, every few days and 
make them very, very uncomfortable. Typically, they don't have somebody like that in their life that is willing to point out the deficiencies and they're, they're yearning for it, right? They want somebody to be critical of what's going on. Yeah, somebody they respect and somebody that is not afraid to tell them exactly what's going on, right? When you've got somebody that, that is not emotionally invested in your business and is, and is not going to mix words with you, and they believe in you enough to be honest with you, that's extremely powerful, extremely powerful, right? I mean, I have those people in my life. I'm sure you guys have people in your life that, that you know, we get caught up in our own world and they will sit us down and say, hey, man, let me show you how you're going off in the wrong direction. Let me show you how you can be doing better. You're better than this. Those conversations matter. We don't, this, this you know, we got one shot at this thing. There's no politics here, right? I want to be the best I can be always. I'm not, I'm not bashful. Tell me how I can do better. Absolutely. So to boil that down, essentially what you guys are doing is you're teaching people that have built a very high paying job and you're teaching them how to transition into a business owner role where they're not the driving force of the business. Yeah. Ultimately there are, you know, the way we see the world is there's five escapes that you have to make out of it. Uh, if you want to actually become, to get to the place that we all desire to get to. Right, you got to get out of the of the technical transactional day to day person and ultimately to turn yourself into a manager. That's the first escape you have to make, and that's a hard one. There's a lot of people that get conned into believing, well, nobody's going to care about the business as much as I do, or I'm not really a people person, or whatever that is. Right, whatever the nonsense that we tell ourselves that just leave us trapped. In, right, that's the first escape. And then you got to make the next escape, which is now I have to become from a manager. I have to actually get to where I'm a CEO. I'm a manager of managers, right? I'm a guy that, uh, or girl that is solving much bigger problems. Where are we going strategically? Where's this business going to be in three years? Where's it going to be in five years? How are we going to get to the, you know, the next level? And then you have to replace yourself there, right? So the fourth escape is now I, I want to be the business owner. I want to be the, the, uh, shareholder of the company. I want to be the biggest shareholder of the company, the chairman of the board, if you can, but I have a CEO, I have a COO, I'm an executive team. They're running this organization and I'm, I I get to get all the fruits, right? Without any of the labor. My direct action does not, uh, outside of being very, you know, the strategy and the ultimately where we're going, my direct actions are not being pushed down into the business in any way, shape, or. And then the last escape is ultimately just to be the investor, not even be the chairman, but be the guy or girl that's sitting on top of multiple businesses. Hey, you know, I own this real estate company. I own this software company. I own this fund company. I own this funding company. I own this insurance company. I own this more. I'm the guy. I have operators, CEOs, chairman of the board that are sitting inside of each one of those organizations, making them run, and I'm getting paid on all of them. And those are the five escapes that you ultimately have to be able to be prepared to make. And the first one is, I would argue, probably the hardest. Um, But clearly, you can't get to the highest levels if you can't make the first escape. Right. And the vast majority. And here, you know, again, here's the irony. The way the math actually works is, you know, 90 percent of people that buy the course never open it. Ninety percent. Right. Uh, of the 10% that opened it, 90% of that never do anything, right? And so now you got the people that actually do something, right? It's this really small subset that actually do something with the information and are out there executing. 
And there's a great deal of energy that is that is in this in the industry at large that is focused on how to take that person and let me take you from where you have a nine to five to where you become that one percent. Right. And again, the vast majority of people don't even do it. But when they do it, then nobody talks to them. Nobody tells them, how. OK, well, now you're making some money. Now, what do you do? And, you know, I feel like I and by virtue of I, me, my team, we are some of the few people that can actually have an intelligent conversation with them about it. All right. Well, now, now you've figured out how to solve the income challenge. Congratulations. You've acquired skills and you will never be broke. You know, being broke from this point forward is a choice because you always know how to flip a house. You always know how to go get a listing. You always know how to sell it. If you're broke, it will always be from this point forward is because of a lack of effort because you have the skill. Period. That is a choice now. Now, how do you turn it into a business? That's where we come in. Let me show you how to take that and take that skill and start getting comfortable putting, again, people, processes, leverage, reporting, all that kind of stuff. None of it, which, which anybody's really taught along, of, certainly along that first part of that journey. Let me show you how to take this next part of the journey because that's why you really got into this. So essentially, out of those five steps, I'm just kind of thinking through this a bit. Of the ones that get through level one, like how, how, is 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 it just a progression? Every step is less hard, and so level five is the easiest. Level four is the next easiest. Or where, where do you see people it, it generally? Gets infinitely easier as you go. Step? Exponentially easier as you go. Because you know, once you fall in love with the process of firing yourself, right? You know, one of the best pieces of advice is fire yourself as often as you can. Once you actually fall in love with that idea, then you move very quickly. I got to fire myself from the transactional side of the business. Now I've got to fire myself from the manager side of business. Now I got to fire myself from the CEOs. And you're seeing the benefits of it as you go. You know, it gets exciting when you start putting people in place and you realize that you didn't show up to the office all week and the company did better without you. That gets exciting. Right? <laughs> and all of a sudden, oh my God, right. well, they did it without me this week. And now, how can I do this again? How can I replicate this? I understand how that. And so that's the, it, it, it's no different than anything else, right? We make decisions based off of our belief system. Our belief system is rooted deeply in the results that we have gotten, which means. If you think about it like a big circle, right? My belief system uh, w- w- directly determines the actions I'm willing to take, right? If I believe that the potential is that I can that I can do anything, I'm more likely to take bigger actions. So my belief system impacts impacts um, the actions I take. Actions lead to results. Results leads me right back to what I now believe. And so this circle goes round and round and round and it starts going up really fast, right? Oh my God, this worked. Uh, let's do some more. Let's do some more. Let's do some more. But it equally works in the other direction. Like if you, if you don't believe that this is going to work, then what's the action you're going to take? It'll be really small. And then if it's really small, then the results you're going to get, if any, will be small. They may be nothing. And then you're, then you're going to turn around and say, I told you this didn't work. I knew that. I knew that I knew this wouldn't work for me. Mm -hmm. Right. And which then now you start spinning downward. Right. It's, well, I'm not going to do anything now. Well, you know, I can't tell you people like, well, you know, back in the day I tried to, to, uh, I tried to do something with Carlton sheets and that never worked. So I don't know, you know, that was 20 years ago. I don't know how this isn't going to, you know, why would this work now? Dude, you see it every day or 
you know, I bought P90X back in the day and I never lost any weight. Uh, I don't know why, you know, why is, you know, why should I go to the gym now? Listen, we, we are reinforced with past results. And if you, open, you know, you go buy P90X and you never actually put the DVD in there and actually get off your fat ass and do anything, why you would expect any results is beyond me. But people do it every day. One of the things I've noticed as I scale through these exits and help people in the lower exits, essentially one of their, their rationales is, well, I enjoy what I do. So as you were scaling through your exits, did you put that aside or how have you still been able to tap into some of the elements? I'm sure there's parts of each of these steps that you loved. And it has to be positioned in one way. Your job is to create options. When you frame it around, I get the option of doing what I love or not. I get to do what I want to do. I don't have to do anything. It's a big difference. And so there's something you love. That's amazing. Wouldn't it be cool to get to do it versus having to do it? Because right now, you have to do it. Because if you don't do it, you don't get paid. Wouldn't it be cool to have the option of doing it and you get to do it every day, you get to wake up excited, but know that nothing would change. The same amount of money, if not more, would come in whether you did it or not. So you get to do it out of pure passion. Um, That's a much better place to be. Totally. Not to mention the fact that along with that is you get to have more selection over maybe the clients that you're doing it for or with or when and how. So you frame it in terms of options and getting to do something versus having to do something. That little shift mentally changes everything. I just want to put myself in a position where I get to do whatever I want to do. I don't want to have to do anything. Yeah, 100%. So, Kent, like, tell us what your vision is for like the next 12 to 24 months. Like, What are you guys working on now? What is, what is your focus? Uh, our focus, I mean, we've got a lot of different organizations that we own, but as it relates to the boardroom, is, you know, we're, we are continuing to curate and put the most talented people that we can in a room and then ultimately uh, not only help them grow their business, but give them opportunities to diversify and invest in each other's businesses, other projects, create an extremely, extremely powerful network that is helping each other to grow at every level, both personally and professionally, financially, spiritually. Like we want um, that group to be, you know, a better version of what it already is today. It's an amazing thing today, but at some level, when you get the best and brightest in the room and you take as much, um, you create as, as a group and is as selective as we are about the people that get in there. When you get those types of people into a room over and over and over and get them into a group that works that tight, uh, we feel pretty, pretty uh, profoundly that it's going, it changes people's outcomes financially uh, in a, in a very big way. If, they can, if we can show people how they can create generational wealth and give them all the tools and surround them with all the people that will make that happen, put them in a peer group where all that's happening. I think that's a pretty good legacy for me. Absolutely. And anybody interested in joining this group or perhaps um, reaching out to you, like what would be the best way for them to get in touch with you or one of your associates? Sure. I mean, they can always go to the boardroommastermind.com and right there, you can find out more about it. You can arrange to talk to my team. And then if uh, once we learn a lot about you, you fill out a little application, schedule a call. Once you find out a lot about you, my team follows up with you. Do kind of a uh, again a, a preliminary call. They believe that everybody's a good 
fit and that we might be a good fit for them and they might be a good fit for us. And ultimately, it will come down to me getting on the phone with somebody as well. I don't let anybody in the group unless they talk to me personally. Um, and so I would love to have as many conversations with anybody out there. Uh, you know, Nothing would make me happier than people to come directly off of this that are really, really high quality people that we want to surround ourselves with. And so Again, go to the boardroommastermind.com. You want to reach out to me on social, it's just at Kent Clothier, or you can always go to kentclothier.com. All right. We'll have all that in the show notes for you. Um, Kent, we want to sincerely thank you for coming on our show and giving us a glimpse of your life and business. And to everyone else out there chasing freedom, freedom is acquired one action at a time. If you do nothing else, just write down one action that you got from today and make sure to implement that in the next seven days and share it with someone you know that can hold you accountable. And before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. Thank you again for tuning into today's episode and we'll catch you on the next one. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show. 